thanks for being here today uh, on the holiday weekend. Uh, we're celebrating uh, Labor Day, or in the church, I like to say, cease from your labors day. So we, we all realize that Jesus finished the work that was needed on the cross, and we don't have to strive or struggle to attain it, but we get to cease from our labors and just rest in him and see his salvation produce in our lives. So uh, today we're starting a new series called No Place Like Home. And of all the needs that are in humanity, and we've talked about some of them this summer already, we talked about food and water and air and all these things, I think you could argue that home is one of the greatest needs that we all long for. I think ever since uh, man left the Garden of Eden, there was a longing in the heart of humanity to go back home to the Father. And there's something in us uh, that we have that we just want to experience that feeling of being at home. Silas got to come home this weekend. He's, I know it's only been two weeks, but we, we took Silas away to college. And it's amazing, he didn't starve. He, he figured out where to get food. He figured out how to get to his classes. He's learning about what's going on in college life and trying to be responsible. But guess what? He was really glad to come home this weekend. There's, there's something in us that when we get home, it's like, ah, there, there's a familiarity and a comfort. There's just something about being home. I, I remember when, it's been 10 years since my dad passed, uh, but for the last year of his life, he was sick. He was in and out of the hospital a lot. And every time that he got to leave the hospital and go home, there was something about it that it was just like, oh, you know, all that stuff we're dealing with, the sickness, the, I feel great just coming home. And I believe that that's something that God has placed inside of every one of us. There's a longing to be home. And I'd like you to do this with me for a second. What does home mean to you? Just take a minute to close your eyes. And, and I'm, if, you've had a, if you had a bad home experience, don't think of those things. The, the good things that you associate with home. Just close your eyes for a second. And what comes to your mind when you hear the word home? When, when I was younger, when I think of the word home, I think of watching football games with my dad, playing wiffle ball in the backyard, watching movies with my mom. When I got a little older, the, the, when I think of home right now, Pam's picture pops into my head, the, the sound of laughter in our house, kids running around, kids learn to drive. That's a little stressful thought right there, but it's still part of home. And, and their friends coming over and hanging out in the house. There's all these images. It could be a place. It could be a time. It could be an activity that you start thinking about. But in and around all of those things that make up our thoughts and our memories of home, I will guarantee you that there are people in the mix. That that's part of what makes home home is all those things. It's more than just a location. You, you have an address where you live, but home is so much more than that. And it's, if you think about it, it's been hard for people to try to define. Uh, think about all these famous sayings that people have come up with to try to describe that experience and that feeling of being at home. Home is where you hang your hat. Everybody ever hear that one? That's getting to be a little old one now because we don't all wear hats to work anymore. But that was, that was a famous saying that home is where you hang your hats. When you come home from work, it's the place that you relax and you, you get comfortable with. This is where I belong. How about this one? Home, sweet home. It's just a description of that feeling you get when you're at home. It's home, sweet home. This is the place that there's sweetness. This is where I want to be. Uh, how about this one? I saw this quote. I thought this was a good one to keep in our mind. Home is where you treat your friends like family and treat your family like friends. How's that for a concept of what home should be? There should be this inclusiveness of inviting other people into our relationships where they don't feel that distinction between you're, you're not part of the family, but you are. 
there's a place where you treat friends like family and your family like friends. This is a famous one. Uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of a twist on Rome wasn't built in a day. I saw this quote this week. It says, home wasn't built in a day. Have, have you ever heard that phrase, Rome wasn't built in a day? Uh, there was a famous English playwright named John Haywood. He's actually the one that coined that phrase, Rome wasn't built in a day. And he says, Rome wasn't built in a day, but they laid bricks every hour. And I thought, for somebody to take it and, and twist it up a little bit and to say home wasn't built in a day, there really is truth in that. Home wasn't built in a day, but it's something that we work on every moment of every hour. There's something we're building and contributing to that feeling of home that we have. Uh, How about this one? Home is where the heart is. Anybody ever say that about your home? Or in our house, it was more famously, home is where the heather is. (laughs) And if you know Heather, you would understand that quote. Uh, She moved to Seattle with Daniel after they had gotten married, and Ashley missed her so much that she wrote a song about home being where Heather is. So the home, home is where the heart is, or in our family, it was home is where the Heather is. Uh, I saw this quote. I thought this was amazing. Home is a place you grow up wanting to leave, and you grow old wanting to get back to. Come on, talk about a longing that's in people's hearts for something that's called home, that they want to get back there. They want to be in that place where they are welcome, they are accepted. Part of home is more than just the stuff that's there or the address. It's deeper, and there's intangible things that are associated with it. And no matter what people describe as their vision of home, I know one thing is true. There's no place like it. Come on, one of the most famous quotes in in movie history is Dorothy getting a pair of ruby slippers, and what was she supposed to do with the slippers? Come on, I see at least some of the older people, the younger people are like, who's Dorothy? But... She got this pair of ruby slippers from the Wizard of Oz and the instructions were click your heels together and start saying there's no place like home and you'll get transported back there. What did Dorothy miss? Was she longing for Dust Bowl, Kansas in the the middle of the 30s? I don't think that that's what she was missing. She was longing for her family. How are my mom and dad? How are my aunts and uncles? How's, How's the mailman? Like all these people that were in her life that made home home, that's what she was missing. And there was a longing in her, and the, the wizard said, here's, here's this pair of ruby slippers, and it'll take you home. And there's something about that that resonates with people, that they're longing to get home. And I will say this this morning, this is kind of a challenge to us. If we are doing it well, there should be something about church that evokes feelings of home in people. If, when you hear the word church, if your first thought is dread and duty an obligation, we're not doing something right in church. And we need to change how we engage with it because there should be something about church. All those feelings that we just felt like, oh, home is so comfortable. I'm embraced. I'm welcome there. It's where I can kick back and be myself. It's where I'm accepted. There should be something about that in church that conjures up those same feelings of being at home. The early church was known for a feeling of home among them. In Acts chapter 2, verse 44, it says this about the early church. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Wow. Daily, daily. Everybody look at your neighbor say, daily. Look at, look at your other neighbor say, can I see you tomorrow? Yeah, you, you, 
you guys weren't sure about that. Come on, Pastor Chris, it's Labor Day. I've already got plans with my family. It says, daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually, continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. Talk about a picture of home that existed in the early church. They were doing things that made church feel like home. This is not a drudgery. This is not a duty. This is not something I'm checking off the box to say I did it this week. There is an aspect of home here. They were caring for each other's needs. They were living with generous hearts. They were doing the building blocks of home. Food and joy. Come on, I think those are some of the key components to what conjures up memories of home in my mind is there's food and there's joy. And I think that part of, that ought to be what is in the church also. Come on, is food a good idea or not? I, can, I, can I at least get one amen for food and joy? <laughs> Everywhere that those things happen, there's an opportunity for home to be experienced by people. And that was what they had in the early church. And it because they were doing these things well, it gave them favor with everybody in the community. There was something that was awakened in people in the community when they looked at how the church was doing life together, and they said, I want some of that. There, I, there's a longing in me to have that sense of community, to have that sense of family like they have in the church. And church for them, it was daily. It was not just a once-a-week activity. There was something in life that they were doing together and I think any time, we need to remember this, that any time we gather together, it's church. Come on, there, there is an aspect of we need to be united in a local church, we need to be connected, we need to be faithful in, in growing and being planted and attending, but there is something about wherever we are when we gather together, it's church. The, the Greek word for church was ecclesia, and it meant the called out ones. And it was almost a little bit of a governmental term, but the Aramaic word for church literally meant come and meet. And there was something that when they gathered together, it was like, hey, come along with me and do life. Let's meet together at my house. Let's meet at Wiggy's. Come on, if you've never had church at Wiggy's with Eric, you need, to, you need to go participate in having church and eating wings. There is something about the presence of Jesus that comes when we gather together no matter where we are, that there is life there and there is a sense and an aspect of home that when people around us see it, it should be attractive to them. And it stirred something in people so much that the Lord just, he began to add people to the church and say, you're going to grow because you've got home. And if home was part of what made the early church grow, it still should be part of what makes us grow right now. There should be an aspect of home in church. Uh, we're missing a huge piece of evangelism if we don't make people feel at home when they gather together with us. And I think part of what I love about our church and what we do well, and I think we still could grow in, but we do it well, is I think we make people feel at home in this place. Whether, whether this is your first time here, if it is, welcome. We've been praying for you. We appreciate having you here. Or you've been here for 10 years or you've been missing for 10 years. Whatever that aspect is, there are something about when people come in, they should be embraced and be made to feel welcome and to be feeling at home. And when I say we welcome them, I don't just mean me and Pam. 
or, or some of the leaders or the elders. I mean, we as a church, there should be something about embracing people when they come in the door, even if it's something, hey, I've been gone for 10 years. I was afraid to come show my face in the door again. Man, it's good to have you home. Let me give you a hug and tell you how much we missed you. Come on, there's something about it that you can come home. Uh, I think it's the world always says you can't go home again. Anybody ever hear that phrase? How many of you know that's the way the world works? In, in God's kingdom, in the church, there ought to always be an aspect of you're welcome to come back home. So I think one of the most beautiful stories in scripture of coming home again is in Luke 15. And uh, the prodigal son had run away from home. He had squandered his inheritance. He took everything that was coming to him, his, his share of the family fortune. And he had gone out and just blown it on whatever you could think of that was to be spent on that day. Wild living prostitutes, indulging in big feasts and inviting all your friends over. And he had no worldly justification to be allowed to go back home and to be embraced there. There, there was something that if, the world, if it was in the world's story, they would have written him off and said, you just stay out there. But the prodigal sitting out there in the field in the, in the slop with the pigs and he's hungry and he's thinking about home. There's something that awoke in him that he said, man, I had it so good at home and there's a longing in me to go back there. And this is what happened in Luke 15 verse 17. I I love this phrase. It says, when he came to his senses, everybody say came to his senses. If, If you've got a son or a daughter or somebody in your family that's living as a prodigal and they're far away from God right now, that's a great prayer to pray. Lord, let them come to their senses. Just begin to declare that over them. Even this week, if you're praying for them, just, Lord, let them have a come to their senses moment where they realize it's so good in Father's house. There's something that should be awakened in them, a longing to go back home. God for everybody in this room that has somebody in that condition right now, we just come into agreement and say, Lord, in Jesus' name, let there be a come to their census moment in their life where there would be a longing awakened for Father's house. It says, when he came to his census, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Man, he got up and he went to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father came and saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. There are a lot of people out there, I think, that they want to come home, but they're in their head about who they are and whether or not they'll ever be welcomed. I could never go home again. I could never show my face there. Do you know what I've done, where I've been, what they'll say about me? And the father should be the one who defines us. Here's the prodigal son living far away from God, and he's thinking in his head, I'm not even worthy. They they won't even call me a son again. Just make me a servant. I'm so low. I'm so unworthy. And the father tells him differently. He he doesn't even let him. The son tries to get his speech out. He tries to tell the father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just make me a servant. And the father says, no, we're not going to hear any of that. I'm going to tell you who you are. You're my son. Bring out that robe. Bring out the ring. Put some shoes on his feet. We're going to have a feast tonight because my son has returned home. That's the way the father reacted to the son who had been gone. And if that's the way the father did it, even while he was a long way off, it says, while he was a long way off. How many of you know people that are a long way off from the Father right now? 
says, even while he was a long way off, the father ran to him and embraced him. I think if the father acts that way towards people that are a long way off from him, how much more should we, the body of Christ, treat people that way? There should be something about our interactions with people who are far off that let them know there's a way home. There's a place to come back to. Don't, don't be the older brother. If you know the story, famously, the older brother is out there pouting. His, the, the prodigal son's returned. They're feasting. They're celebrating. Look, my son that was dead, he's alive again. He's returned to me. And the older brother's pouting and saying, how could you do that for him? I've been here the whole time. I'm towing the line. I'm doing what's expected of me. Don't be that person when people begin to come home. No matter where they've been, how far they've gone, how long it took them to get home, rejoice. Go into the party (laughs) and rejoice that people have come home again. I think uh, people are the main part of what makes a home. And just to close this morning, I want to share one more thought about that phrase of home is where the heart is. Uh, In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, uh, it says, Jesus said, do not store up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But he says this, store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if home is where the heart is, there's a key in this verse that our heart is where our treasure is. In fact, uh, there's one translation that says, uh, your thoughts will always be focused on your treasure. What's important to you? What matters most? What's valuable? I think there's two keys in that verse that we need to look at. Uh, The world's economy isn't where the the truly valuable things are. It's somewhere else. And uh, what is your treasure? Anybody ever think about that when they're reading this verse? where it says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What is your treasure? I think it is a very simple answer. I think it's your time, your talents, your energy, your relationships, the things you invest in because they matter to you. And where does Jesus tell them to lay up their treasure? He says, lay up your treasure in heaven. All right, follow me on this one. Jesus says, take the things that are most important to you, that you value, that you want to invest in, and put them in heaven. Well, where is heaven? In its, in its simplest definition, heaven is anywhere where God is, right? It is the atmosphere around him. It's the Father. It's, it's the, what he carries and creates around him. Where does God live? Yeah, I see a bunch of people pointing at their chest. God lives in people. So what I'm going to tell you this morning is when Jesus is saying, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, I think he's giving us a call and a charge to invest in people. And to say, hey, what's most important to me is going to be the people around me in this world. The people that need to know the Father, that need to know his love, that need to see that there's a different way to live. I'm going to store up my treasure there because it won't be stolen from me. Moths and rust can't get to it. Thieves can't break in and steal it. Jesus wants us to invest in people, in those relationships around us. And uh, just to further back that up a little bit, I'll give you one more scripture and then we'll close. In 1 Timothy 6.17, he's talking to Timothy, Paul's writing to Timothy about the difference between worldly wealth and the things we're really supposed to be invested in. And he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly 
provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Verse 18 says, command them to do good. Listen to these commands that he's given them. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. And then here's an answer to how do you store up treasure in heaven. In verse 19 he says, in this way they will lay up treasure for themselves, a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Paul's telling Timothy, this is how you lay up treasure. I, I bet there were big discussions in the early church. Hey, Jesus said, put your treasure in heaven and lay it up there. How do we do that? Let's have a whole seminar or class on laying up heavenly treasure. Paul writes to Timothy and says, here's an answer to that question. Be rich in good deeds. Do good to one another. Be generous at all times. Give to the poor. There's a couple different places in scripture where it actually says, giving to the poor lays up treasure for yourself. And that's the answer to the question, how we lay up treasure in heaven. Where is our home? Where is our heart? Where are the things that are valuable to us? It's by investing in the people around us and the relationships that we have with one another. There is a reason that every time we think of things that have to do with home, it's not just a place or an activity. There's always people involved with it. And that's part of that longing that's in everybody to be accepted and embraced somewhere. This is my challenge to us this week. I want you to think about who can I invest in? If I want to lay up some heavenly treasure, who in my life do I need to invest in to say, you matter to me, you're important, I love you. There's something about what we're doing together that we want to invite you to come be a part of. Who can I invest in? And maybe while we're talking, you thought of somebody that they've been walking away from God. Maybe they used to come to church somewhere. Maybe it was even in this building, I don't know. But they need an invite to say, you know what? You're welcome to come home. There's something about, we'd love to have you back. There's a, there's a piece missing when you're not here. Who could we invest in this week and who needs to come home? And that's, there's a bunch of different ways to do that. You can invite somebody to come on a weekend with you. You could invite them to come to a life group. We had a couple people that came to the church picnic just to get, dip their toe in the water and get a taste of this is what it would be like to come home. And uh, as you're thinking about who do you need to invest in this week, uh, I just wanted to pray for Jay real quick. Speaking of going home, uh, Jay has been with us for five or six years. Uh, He moved here from Africa, and he has not been home that entire time that he's been with us. So if if you've seen Jay for the last six years, he, he calls on the phone, they FaceTime sometimes, but he has not literally seen his family in person for almost six years. And so I just want us to pray and bless him before he goes on his trip for the next month, right? Come up, come up here, Jay. He gets to go home because there's a longing in his heart. Ah. So right where you're sitting, if you want to stretch out your hands or you just want to pray silently by yourself, let's just bless Jay right now. Lord, we thank you for Jay. We thank you for your great love for him. Thank you for his time with us, that he is part of the New Life family. And Lord, I just ask that you would bless him more than he's even expecting on this trip, that the time with his family, with his, with his, uh, even his extended family, brothers, sisters, cousins, whoever it is that he sees, Lord, just let it be deep and satisfying, Lord God. Let it be a rich time of of catching up and sewing uh, stories into each other and tying strings together in their hearts, Lord God. Be present in the center of everything that they do, Lord Jesus. Just bless Jay. I thank you for 
even his willingness to come all the way here to the States to learn and to study and to do what you've called him to do as he's trying to follow your lead in his life. We just ask that you would bless him richly and abundantly now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you, Jay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Man. Well, let's, uh, let's all go ahead and stand together this morning. I just want to pray for us before we go, but as, as we're doing this, as we're thinking about home and who needs that feeling of home in their lives, I believe that even before you leave the door this morning, uh, God's going to put somebody in your heart or your mind of who you need to invest in this week. So God, we come before you right now uh, willing we say, use us, Lord God, to make people feel welcome, to make them feel at home, to let them know there is a place for them. And Lord, all over this room, I just ask, as we're standing in your presence right now, you would speak to our heart of who needs that. The people that we know, the people that we love, Lord God, the people we care about, who needs to know that there is a home for them? And God, I ask that as, as you remind us of those faces and those people, God, we thank you for giving us opportunities this week to encounter them, to reach out to them, and to let them know there is a place for them. God, we thank you that there is home in you. Father, we thank you that you took us from being orphans and and lonely and distraught. Uh, You took us from living in darkness and you brought us home to yourselves. And God, we ask that you would let us be carriers of that to the world around us. God, bless us indeed as we go from this place. Let your goodness and your mercy follow after us, Lord God. Let the things that we do and say, let them prosper, Lord God. Not not just so we can be famous, but so that Jesus would be seen in our lives. God, we honor you today. We thank you for your goodness in our lives. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've never started a relationship with Jesus, you don't know what it means when I'm saying come home to the Father. Uh, If you come up front and talk to us, we'd be happy to help you do that. But otherwise, you're free to go or you're free to stay as long as you want. Have a great afternoon and enjoy your Labor Day plans. God bless you guys.